This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selkie, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast where we are in season three entitled Lead to Win. And we are speaking with a winner today, Mr. Todd Gonger. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you, Amber. It's great to be here. Uh, It's awesome to have you. I am so excited. So let me give you the formal introduction of Mr. Todd Gonger first, uh, and then I'll dive into what I really know and appreciate about this incredible man. So Todd is an author and speaker slash teacher on the subject of leadership. And so, you know, here at the Selkin Performance Group, we talk all the time about from the locker room to the boardroom, right? So from the sports space to the business space. And Todd totally resonates with that. That's that's how he's wired the fabric of his being. And when you look at the teams and organizations that he's worked with in this coaching space of leadership, um, it, it's, it's guys like Urban Meyer at Ohio State football, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson football, uh, Tony Bennett at Virginia basketball. And, and again, Todd, that's the team you spent the most time with this year so far, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a cool ride for them because not, they were not expected to do anything. And uh, boy, they're, they're doing some really special things this year. And I know that we cannot totally attribute it to you, but I think what's powerful to see is that when individuals and coaches and leaders really lock into running their programs in a way that connects to the heart of the individual, awesome things happen, right? Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, you know, we're talking about a little earlier. The, he is a, Tony Bennett's a coach and there's a lot of guys out there like that, but he is one of those guys that truly does understand that, that the importance of relationships, genuine relationships with these guys. Um, he just, he understands the bigger picture. So the, the team dynamic, the mental, I, what I call it, the mindset and the heart set. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he gets it as well as any coaches out there. So it's been fun. It's been a learning experience for me um, just to watch and be around them a lot. So, so I'm going to ask you, uh, well, how, how, what type of learning experiences? Give us some few, you know what? Wait, I haven't even got through your bio and we're already bouncing off because this is going to be, su- this is how exciting this talk is going to be everybody. So lock in, Todd and I are going to bounce off each other, but you've also worked a ton in the business space, right? Coaching and talking about leadership and, and with organizations like Home Depot, Farm Bureau Insurance, Patrick Industries, uh, Healthcare Trust of America. So very diverse industries, again, from the locker room to the boardroom. And when Todd and I first intersected, it was, holy cow, back in my undergrad years and he had just come out with his book which is entitled lead for god's sake and um, one of my best friends from college uh, tommy chase he uh, was the captain of the baseball team at notre dame currently an assistant coach over at dayton doing incredible things but we we intersected with todd and he just immediately connected with us as young aspiring individuals who wanted to change the world for the better and impact leaders and individuals. And and so he put this book in our hand and it was the draft copy, right? 
Yeah. Galley copy. The, the galley copy. And we read through this and it just totally connected with us because it's it's written in a readable way, right? It's written like a story. So you, you, a lot of times, right, you have these leadership books and they're they're very serious and they're formal and they're leadership. And, and that's your background, right? That's how you're wired is that kind of direct teaching, training type element. And, you know, you were telling us the story of how when you sat down to write this book after, you know, years and almost decades of preparing to write this book, right? And all these thousands of hours and you're like, all right, I'm sitting down to write my leadership book and out comes this story. Tell us about what that was like for you as an individual, as as you wanted to share with individuals how to become a better leader and really transform the people that you're working with, how that shift in writing the story manifested. Well, first of all, Amber, you have an amazing mind and memory because that was a long time ago and yet you're like nailing it. You you got it. You remember it exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, my, uh, <clears throat> I was going into that point, I had spent years, um, over a decade as, as an assistant college basketball coach, I'd grown up in and around the family business stuff. And I had gone through this kind of this obsessive time in my life where I was studying every bit of leadership that I could get my hands on. So I was reading at least a book a week. Um, and I was listening to all these, you know, back then they didn't have podcasts. So I was, uh, going to, you know, I'd go to different, all these different seminars and different things like that, that I was just exposing, trying to expose myself to everything that I could possibly get my hands on. And so I had felt this eventually after working with the teams in business, the teams in sports, felt this real call to write, you know, this leadership book, kind of tried the culmination of all these things that I had started to write and put them together. Um, I'd felt that for about three years. And then when the season was actually right, for me to like try to put this thing together, um, I did. I, I thought with everything that I had, I thought this is going to be point, you know, step one, step two, step three, and all these things that um, would kind of fall into place in an organized manner. And um, a, as it turned out, I, I struggled for probably two or three weeks. Nothing came out as I planned. And, um, and I'm just thinking, why can I not think of this? And really felt like, you know, God kind of laid on my heart, you got to start over with a short story. And again, this is one of those things that, you know, I'd never written a fiction, you know, a parable of any kind. So um, that was really intimidating to me. I'm thinking like, okay, a couple pages, maybe a couple chapters, and then I'll write my commentary. You know, I'll give my brilliant commentary on it. And, and uh, <laughs> I jumped into it, and um, this story really just started pouring out like nothing I've ever experienced. And as it did, it became clearer and clearer. You know, as time went on, it was like, okay, three chapters, six chapters, this is supposed to be the whole thing. And even at the end, after I had tried to finish and actually add commentary at the end, I had a, I had a really wise mentor of mine. I remember going, man, Todd, when you finish reading this book, this story, is it's an emotional story, so you need to put it down and think about it. So don't ruin it with your commentary. Just be done. And I was like, <laughs> you're right. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it how it ended up where it is. And, and that's, I'm glad I, I took those, those uh, wise words of advice. That's awesome. And, and I really just wanted to start with that because if you haven't had the opportunity to read this book yet, go find it and pick it up. We'll put in the episode notes where you can find it. Again, it's called Lead for God's Sake. It's a story about a coach, right? It's it's a story about a dad. It's a story about a husband and, and what this means as we go about living our day-to-day lives and we're trying to influence people and it's readable, right? So you yeah. put it in a coach's hand, you put it in a leader's hand, like you just sit down and keep reading it. And the crazy part is you find yourself in the story. 
regardless of what level you're at, whether you're elementary coach or you're just married or you're thinking about being married or you're a college coach or you're a retired coach or wherever you are. And it's not even coach, right? It's wherever you are in this life, you're going to find yourself in this story and you're going to learn about how to be a better leader and how to transform the people's lives that, that you're in and around every single day. And, and that's when we're talking about lead to win. That's what we're talking about. Leading people in a winning manner, right? Towards things that actually matter, right? When, when you leave them behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, it's interesting how you, you describe the book because I, I think, again, even though it's a sports, it's, it's set in a sports setting, it's got a CEO and a coach and, you know, these different characters, but you hit the nail on the head when you said it. It's a, it's a book about relationships. It's a book about pursuits. And when you stop and, and I mean, you take a step back and go, okay, what, you know, who, who, what pursuits am I going after? Um, you know, that's something that just about every single one of us can relate to. We're all driven to something. What are we trying to achieve? And in the midst of that, how are we balancing the priorities? You know, in the midst of us going after the things that we think we want the most, how are we keeping the right perspective with the things that actually are the most important in our lives? And so that's the relationship um, you know, aspect of what that story is really about. That's awesome. And again, that the types of coaches and leaders that you've worked with are, you know, that's not this soft, fluffy thing, you know, guys like Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, Tony Bennett, tell us a little bit more. We started diving into that topic and I didn't want us to go quite there yet. What's been some of the awesome things that you've observed or learned as you've been a part of the Virginia basketball team this year, things that you can share with us? Well, I think, you know, excuse me, interestingly, again, um, typically when I go in with a team, I'll go in the first time. And and one of the things that I've learned over the years is I will make it, it's very important for me to work with the coaching staff or interact with them in a a pretty deep level first uh, before even addressing the team. Because I think so often, you know, I know coaches are extremely busy by nature and a lot of them will go, gosh, I I like these concepts and, and I would like somebody to come in and maybe just impact the kids. You know, and the reality is um, you can share a great message with the kids. You can help get them on the same page, help get them thinking about some of the things that are more important in life and their values, how to get more aligned with the team values, um, you know, how important those relationships are on the team, all those things. But if the coaches don't get it and if the coaches aren't willing to really, you know, not only understand it, they don't have to be perfect, obviously, no coach or no none of, no leader no, is. Right. But they have to at least understand it to the extent that the kids look and they go, okay, my, my coach gets that. Mm-hmm. And they want to live this out. And so the time that I spent with, with even Coach Bennett and those guys early on, some of the guys on his staff, um, you know, it's, it was apparent early on that these guys, they didn't need coaching from me. These guys got it. You know, Tony Bennett's got an amazing heart, an amazing desire to ultimately impact these kids in the right way. And the cool thing is the kids can see it. Yeah. And so... For me, you know, even though obviously it was time with those guys and then time, you know, sharing with the teams, um, it was really just a cool experience to watch them, how these kids really soak in the message of, you know, the leadership stuff that we're talking about when we're talking about responsibility and accountability and the relationship aspect of things. Um, They really buy into it, large in part, because they see it in their coaches. And so there's just a a really cool alignment there. And, And again... That's why it's been special to watch what those guys are doing this year. That That is, that's really awesome. And, you know, 
with my work with mindset development and culture development and teams and then you know the consulting that I do for positive coaching kids meet sport at the coach right and coaches either make or break the sport experience and and they are the definers and designers of the environment that these kids are living in just like at the business level managers and CEOs and bosses are the definers and designers of the environment that your employees are functioning in. And it's that environment that is going to either allow the individuals to deliver everything they've got within them that they've prepared and, and for them themselves for again, from whether you're playing basketball or football or whether you're trying to do accounting or HR or, you know, financial management or law, you know, all of that is, is either brought out to the best of their abilities based on the environment and culture that's, that's set and established and carried out by the leader or not it's kept in and and so I love that that's part of your uh approach to everything as well yeah absolutely I mean and again like I said you it's interesting when you go out into the business world and I know Amber what you're doing um you see this all the time it's it's always so cool when you talk to and I've, I've done this with, with multitude of audiences around the country but made that that you know ask that question okay talk to me, you know, tell me the, the top one or two to three influencers in your life. And any audience that you come across and ask that question, you know, 75, 80, 90% of that audience is going to say at one point in my life, it was a coach. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the paths that cross, or, you know, the intersection, I should say, between the power of what coaches, the coach's influence has, um, that's a, that's a really, a, a very important thing to, to never underestimate. And, because it keeps going. It, it resonates and it keeps going well into folks' professional careers. Absolutely. I mean, all of our listeners right now, consider what a coach that you had in your life. And when you think back, like, what did you learn from that? What was that experience like? And you're going to either have a positive or a negative negative reflection exactly. in memory. And that's yes. affected who you are today, right? Absolutely. So, so that's powerful. So let's dive in a little bit. So in our last episode, we really talked about uh, this leadership principle of communicate with clarity and compassion. And, and so I want you to flesh that out for us. So how does communication, first of all, fit into the role of a leader from your perspective? Well, I think it's, I mean, it's where everything starts. And I think it's, it's very important for, first of all, leaders to understand not only what they're communicating verbally, um, but all of the other stuff that's coming into play. And I always talk, when I talk about the definition of leadership, I talk about words attitudes and behaviors those are the three driving forces behind our influence and when you're talking about leaders or you're you're talking about the communication aspect of that being intentional with every one of those is is absolutely essential to effective leadership understanding the power of your words all the time not just taking for granted that okay this person i'm saying this to this person but am I really thinking about the fact that there's a, there's a peripheral effect going on and there's somebody else that heard this or somebody else that's going to hear it secondhand? How powerful are those words going to be? Are they positive or negative? Yeah, last, last, last uh, episode, we talked about this intent versus impact model of leadership or, or of communication, right? So your intent might be this big, and I have my hand held up in a very small half circle, mm-hmm. right? But your impact could be this big, you know, and I've got my hands held up very wide. And, and that can either be a positive impact really big or a negative impact really big. And so being mindful in those words is, is powerful and critical. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm not so sure that it's, it's, it's something that we all appreciate, the fact that we, we are absolutely wired to remember 
the negative a little bit more powerful or a little bit more clearly than we remember some of the positive things or even the neutral things. So fun fact for everybody listening, why that is, right? So emotional experiences register deeper in your brain from a memory perspective. And so those bad experiences that you had often carry a lot of emotion which is why they get categorized more deeply from a memory perspective. So, sorry. Whenever I hear science things that I can throw in, the, I just can't not. The hippocampus, right? <laughs> yeah. Are we going down the... Okay, yeah. so, okay. Hey, I see it. On. I love it. I, I'm, okay. I'm with you. I love the brain stuff. And, That's good. And so now, um, yeah, it's it just, again, like I said, I think it gets underestimated a lot. And I tell the story all the time when I when I talk to people. I say, how many, how many of you can, can think of some words that somebody said to you more than 10 years ago? that you remember, and or they were hurtful words, I should say. And, um, you know, I can go back 30 years. I can go back to, like, sixth-grade basketball and, like, seventh-grade science. And it's amazing. I mean, I, as I look back on that, I'm thinking and neither the coach or that teacher maybe intended yep. that impact to be negative. They didn't intend it. They, you know, they were saying something flippantly. Yeah. And yet, here I am. 30 years later in life, and I'm going, now, I will tell you, of course, I've forgiven these people, and I don't hold on to it, but I think it is. It's important for us to realize that, hey, we remember those things. And so when I'm talking to a leader, a coach, and and, and really in any field, it's like, man, manage manage your communication. Manage those words. Manage the attitudes. Manage the behaviors because, you know, once they go out, it's really hard to reel them back in. Yeah, one of the things that, um, one of the superintendents that we work with in a Missouri high school on positive coaching, uh, he started noticing just how sarcastic he tended to be. And, and, and it dawned on him when he started learning more about positive coaching and being intentional with his communication style that he was being sarcastic. And in his mind, that's him, you know, trying to build a relationship with his guys on the team. And, and he realized how hurtful that is to a high school kid. And they'll never say it, particularly if they're boys, right? Yeah. Um, because they have to be tough and they have to be strong. But how, you know, again, the older you get, you can separate sarcasm and nod and, and know what's, you know, what people are trying to say. But that brain age development at our high school and our collegiate kids pr- particularly, sarcasm is not helpful in that communication style. The impact of that is hugely negative and it really affects individuals and their self-identity so that when they are 30 and 40 and 50, they're really sort of messed up. (laughs) So even, you know, sarcasm and things that we think are harmless, we really need to sort of check ourselves and what is the impact that the people that I'm leading or influencing are experiencing based on my communication. Yeah. And that's so, it's so true, Amber. I think Again, I, I, I give the list. We do a we do a web workout with teams a lot of times. The word attitude behavior workout where we dig into those and and um, yeah, it's interesting because we we talk about that the, that sarcasm thing is so underestimated and and it's interesting because I think again as coaches and I, I coach for a long time so I get it. You have fun together with your coaches and you know, but the reality is and it's like you just said we really do tend to underestimate that comment and not only how it affects that, that young person's right in front of us, but that young person or, or two that they're listening to the coach make that remark about that kid. And all of a sudden they're going, wow, is that kid really like, is he serious about that? Or like, what's he, you know what I mean? So they start, so you can really mess with the dynamic. It can yeah. mess with the emotion. It's, it's, it's just, it can be really damaging. So yeah, that, uh, sarcasm, cynicism, all those things, those fun things that, 
um, that we know affect marriages too, by the way. Yeah, and, hugely. And so, so leading in the marriage, you got to get rid of the sarcasm stuff. So yeah, stuff. and and uh, again, that's it's so critical to understand just how everything we do as a leader matters. And you might think that's silly, and this is the soft stuff. But when we talk about team dynamics or the things that are going to interfere from you achieving your goal, right? right. Whether that's a business objective or a championship, you, you need to understand that your communication is going to affect your ability to accomplish those things that you claim matter to you. Right. And and that's why I talk a lot about my coaches that I work with or my business leaders. It's like, what are the performance metrics that you're really after? If you really claim to care about those, then you have to understand what your communication impact is having on the individuals that are trying to deliver the very thing that you want them to do. Right. Right. So I, I love it. Anything else to add that you look like you're oh, going to say something? Good. I'm, I'm just taking it in. That's good, Amber. You're on it. I love it. I love it. Tell us tell us a little bit more broadly before we dive into this essence of clarity and compassion. Um, what is sort of your general leadership philosophy? How would oh, you describe man. that to us? Man. Well, um, again, I, I'll start off with just this, the simple definition, which leadership begins with your influence, you mm-hmm. know, from those that, that flows from the words, attitudes, and behavior that ultimately flows from your character. And when I when I go down that path, that that that's kind of a baseline starting point. That basically it's all inclusive. So, you know, again, when I'm speaking to a room, whether it doesn't matter where I am, if I'm in a in a high school, a college, if we're in a business, and and we've got people of all different, you know, that are that are playing all different roles within the organization, you know, I'm always starting off with that, saying, so what that means is every single person has a role in leadership because every single person is you know has the opportunity to influence now we underestimate it mm. in a lot of positions because we have this tendency to go down the hierarchical path or the status and power and all these other things and i'm always trying to kind of right from the start go now i think we need to we need to define it as it's all inclusive you come into work and it doesn't matter what you know how many reports you have or don't have if you have a horrible attitude that day and you start interacting with people you are influencing the dynamic. So in my mind, you have a leadership role. Absolutely. And it may, it may be positive and it may be not so positive in the case, you know, that I just described. So I think starting there <clears throat> with everybody having a role, I think from that, I think it's really important to understand that, that, that is, you know, our, the choices of words, attitudes, and behaviors are flowing from our character. And I always, you know, I, I use character and heart synonymously. Okay. So I believe that's kind of all-encompassing. So when we're choosing those words and attitudes and behaviors, it's it's if it's coming out, it's coming from within. And I always tell people, you know, it, it, the heart is the wellspring of life. What if you drop a bucket in the well? The only thing that comes out is what the, what's in the well. <laughs> and so it's like when <laughs> these that. words are coming out and these attitudes, it's coming from within. So I, I always try to talk a lot about managing the construction of your heart. That's such a key part of being an effective leader. Is how are you managing the construction of your heart? Because if your character or your heart is determining those words, attitudes, and behaviors, then then if you, you know, to be a great leader, you need to really start with assessing, well, where is my heart? Mm-hmm. And what is it that I'm allowing to, you know, be a constructor, so to speak, of my heart? Because those things which you're allowing to construct your heart, they're ultimately going to end up coming out in sarcasm. Or, you know, I mean, all kinds of different ways it can be good or bad. Right. So. And and again, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, dang, you know, I am sarcastic all the time. Like, here's the beautiful part. Once you become aware of it, 
that now you can start to shift it, right? So if we go back to season one of the podcast, building block one of your mental performance foundation, right, is awareness. And we have to be aware before we can enhance. And so if this is you right now and you're thinking, wow, I really am not doing a good job on this communication mechanism, dude, that's okay, <laughs> right? You know, I tell my guys, dude, that's all right. Just now let's make some choices. Because again, like you said earlier, your words, attitudes, and behaviors are choices. And what I love about this heart construction idea that you're talking about, Todd, is um, that, you know, when we talk about building championship mindsets, right, we talk about the brain and the mind being separate, right? And it's the mind that gets to choose, well, what thoughts am I going to allow into my brain, right? And if we really understand how the human body and is designed and connected, then you know, what you're thinking about is manifesting what's going into your heart too. And so, you know, if you're wondering, well, how do I go about constructing my heart in this way? It goes back to how you're thinking, right? In my domain. And so how connected our our work is, you know, and how we're looking at these things very similarly and through different lenses. I want to help our listeners just understand the connection here that as you construct your heart, really that goes into being aware of what are you thinking about? What are you allowing into your brain, into your heart? right? Because that's what's going to get built up. Yeah, absolutely. And I would tell you, um, I, th- I think that's so, so important. I think Amber, you know, I mean, again, um, you know, a, a good buddy of mine, John Gordon talks about, you know, uh, the conversation that we're having with ourselves all the time, obviously. And he's saying, you know, talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself so much, you know, that, that whole thing of you got to manage the thoughts, you got to manage what's coming into that brain and what's going on. The, the other thing I would say too, and on that the heart construction thing. I always talk about, you know, the people we spend our time with, um, the books we read, and, and these are two things, obviously, that are constants. This There used to be, it used to be common knowledge or common saying, you know, the two things that most affect your life. People you spend your time with, things you just, you know, the things that you're reading. I absolutely believe that. But I think nowadays, obviously, we have a third that is really all-encompassing because it's an, it's how we relate to others in a lot of cases. So to an extent, it's replacing some of those relationships, and it's also not just what we read in a book, but it's these, these what we're reading all the time, and that is the whole media, mm-hmm. you know. And when I say media, I'm not just talking about news. I'm talking about like media in general, the music, the videos, the games, um, the um, obviously the news, Twitter feed, Facebook feed, Instagram. I mean, all of the social media, all the things that are constantly now filling our minds, you know, coming at us. And the question is, um, are we managing that? Because to manage that that brain, I think that you're talking about in a, in a way that is effective, man, you've got to think about what am I constantly filling it with? Absolutely. What am I constantly reading? And if, and and, and I always say, listen, when I'm when I'm talking to kids, I'm always careful. Listen, I, I, I'm not gonna tell you my deep agenda here in terms of what I how I think you should be thinking. But what I will tell you is that every single form of media has an agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand that the the concept of, it's either to monetize, desensitize, polarize, or politicize. Ooh, I like that. And, and if you, I mean, especially with the young person, if you can just understand that that's the agenda that's behind 95% of what you're allowing in, um, then just, just be, just be um, vigilant. Yep. Protect it. Understand that, hey, what are they trying to say? Because I'm reading this going, oh, wow, yeah, this is a crazy headline. What are they trying to tell me? Because there's something behind that that they want me to think. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I was working with one of our athletes um, and I was thinking, well, you should just get rid of your social media for this season, right? That's my sort of go-to because I was sort of on the forefront of social media. And, and instead of telling him, I asked him like, what's a way that you think you can monitor your media? He goes, well, actually I went through my Instagram feed and I stopped following anybody that wasn't putting out positive messaging. And so now every time I go to Instagram, it's filling my mind with motivation, discipline, focus. And I was like, oh, that's even better than getting rid of it. Right. And so I just, I mean, in his world, getting rid of it isn't even an option, which is cool. I mean, that's, that's the world. And so, but he's being intentional about what he's allowing in to fill that, which again, then shifts his ability to communicate to his teammates, to his coaches, to himself. And and I love that. So let's dive into these two essences, right? Of communicate with clarity and passion. So this is our, our principle of leadership that we're talking about right now. Why is clarity critical? for leaders as it relates to communication? Well, again, I, I think that there is, we are in a world where mixed messages are everywhere. And again, a lot of times, um, a lot of times no communication is communication in and of itself. And so I think- <laughs> No, no, <clears throat> say that again, Tom. <laughs> no communication <laughs> is communication in and of itself. Absolutely. And so I think it's so important for leaders to understand you know, from a starting point of, okay, who do I really want to be as a leader here? What do I want to stand for here? If these are the values that I really want to stand for, then I need to become intentional in clarifying these things on a consistent basis. Because every one of us, I mean, we're human, and so we're going to walk, and we're going to do things, we're going to say things once in a while, and it's like, oh, gosh, I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, it was an emotional moment, or I was frustrated, or whatever. Okay, that's okay, but you need to understand that if you don't offset that, if you don't address it, if you don't clarify what happened there and what do you really want to say here, then you're, you're leaving everybody to their own device. And, and again, you know, as well as anyone, Amber, your mood and where, what's going on in your life, your perspective at that moment is affecting the filter that's coming into you. So yeah. what you just heard, there's a lot of other things that are affecting you know, how you're perceiving that. I've got to do my part as best I can to make sure that it's clear what's yeah. coming your way. Um, so That's awesome. And, and again, what I want all of listeners to hear, right? So it's awesome that we're having these guests every other week because these guys don't know each other. But what did you just hear Todd talk about? Um, clear, know yourself, right? What are your core values? Then clarify the values of your organization and, and communicate those clearly. So he's literally built on the last couple principles of leadership that we've talked about, because these are the principles that guide great leadership and the individuals that we are talking to as great leaders and great leadership coaches get this and know that. And, and so I just really want to highlight that to our listeners right now to just see that we're building for a reason on each one of these principles because they all do connect, but it's important to manage them sequentially so that they can all fit together in a way that truly can inspire, impact, and influence the people that we're trying to lead to win. Yeah. And, and one thing too, just, just in listening to you, Amber, too, and I've heard you say a couple different ways or, or kind of describe this in a couple different ways, but I know because I've seen stuff that you've posted to on this subject of knowing thyself, self-awareness, um, that is, and, and really it's, it's interesting because it's not, it's not necessarily something that jumps out at people when they talk about, okay, I read the book and it impacted me here and here and here and here, you know, it's, oh man, it hit me so hard. Um, because it talks about purpose 
and passions and, and pursuits and all these other things that are kind of really over the top. But underlying all of that, if you think about the journey, was this element of when are you going to open your eyes to who you're really being? Not, not who you say you want to be, not who you've written on the wall, you know, the words you've written on the wall or the poster you have, or, but who you really are to the people around you as mm-hmm. a leader. And that is such a, I've always said when I, when I talk about the most important attribute in leadership, I, I think it starts with self-awareness because if you, if, you don't, if you don't understand where you are, you absolutely, you know, getting to where you want to go begins with understanding where you actually are. Otherwise, you, you know, you're not going to know which road you need to take. Yeah. And yet this is the blind spots, the level of um, struggle that I see leaders going through. Uh, our, every one of us has blind spots. Yeah. And so the tendency is always to, well, I'm okay here. Well, I, I got this. And nah, that's not, you know, man, it's so important. Yeah. So important. Well, one of the questions that we ask coaches or leaders a lot is, you know, does the sport experience get better when you show up? Mm. Does your Love team that. get yeah. better when in your organization when you show up? And I think that that's a different way to look at how am I in this moment? you know, and how am I being perceived? And so again, understanding that and then being able to clarify, like if it's not going well for you or your team, or you don't live up to or into one of your core values, just clarify that people respect that sort of direct clarifying communication. And, um, and, and that's a really powerful thing as we lead. So what, what are a tangible way, what's a tangible way or a practice maybe that you could give and share with our listeners that they could maybe enhance their communicational clarity? Hmm. Gosh, um, enhance their communication clarity. I mean, again, the things we've been talking about, it's just, I think it's so important to, first of all, and I know this is going to probably sound a little backwards, but I would tell you that listening as a starting point, because in a lot of cases, particularly with your key leaders around you, um, you're not going to really understand where you're not being clear where you're not being understood unless you truly understand how to listen to people. That's and, powerful. And I think there's a, that's one of the things, again, you know, as I, as I look and, and deal with particularly a lot of the really, really high-profile leaders, whether it's a CEO of a multi-billion-dollar company or a head coach that's won multiple, you know, national championships or whatever, there's this tendency to start. I mean, we've got so many people. They've got so many people pulling at them, asking them, asking them, asking them. A lot of times it's hard for them particular, in particular, it's hard for all of us, but it's hard for them to shift into, well, let me just stop and like, like listen to you. Like, tell me what you're seeing and feeling so that I can understand how I can be clearer on this and how we can get more on the same page. So I think that's probably, um, probably the biggest step that gets underestimate. I mean, we talk about it, but, yeah. do, but do leaders really do it? That's powerful. And so maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, listen, what am I listening for? And so I'll offer a simple strategy that, that I did when I was in HR and that I encourage and, and actually run with coaches and managers, uh, stop, start, continue. And so I'll literally give a red, yellow, and a green 
note card, right? And the red is, I want you to write something is, what am I doing as your leader that you would like me to stop because it is inhibiting you from delivering your best consistently? Now, again, not all of these are going to be doable, right? But it is a, it is a mechanism to listen. And sometimes people aren't great at delivering feedback to particularly leaders, right? Because they think, well, he doesn't want to hear this, or she doesn't want to know this, or she doesn't care what I think, et cetera. And so giving this avenue to your people to listen to them through a different lens is sometimes helpful. And it allows you to sit back and process it in maybe a, your own way, whatever that looks like. Um, the yellow is continue, right? So just like a stoplight, what is something that I'm doing as your leader that you love, that you want me to continue doing because it helps you consistently perform your best. And then green, what's an idea that you have of something that I could maybe start doing that you think would help you be more productive and and deliver your best consistently. And so what I found, I do this in my class too with with my students, right? And it's like, it is fascinating what I get from them. One, the things that they, that I'm doing that they really like. Sometimes I wonder like, do they think I'm crazy? And they like love it, right? Or they come up with awesome ideas and our class gets better. Our performance goes up, the engagement increases. And so for listening sometimes, it's it's one for sure, being able to sit in front of people and exchange that. but if you're, if you're maybe in a situation where that's not possible right now or you want to ease into it, try that activity. That's another strategy to maybe help you listen, as Todd said. And I love what your insight on that. So thank you. That's great. I love that. That's, that's great. And, and the other thing I would say, too, just in listening to that, Amber, I mean, you're describing really that's a great tool as I'm thinking about that and how that plays out. I'm thinking that really is a great tool of vulnerability. Because when you say, you know, what am I doing that you want me to stop. I mean, you're, you're opening yourself up to go, please tell me the bad. And I think, man, I think leaders miss that part so much. You know, help me understand what you're going through is great. Help me understand. But am I really going to be open to say, Hey, tell me something that I'm not doing right. I mean, that's, that's vulnerability and no, power that that is one of the most powerful things and it's scary just in case you know and it feels weird (laughs) when you get it so one of my feedback of stop is I talk too loud in class sometimes and I like yell and so I so I totally I like I was like upset about that at first and then I was like no that's probably true I'm gonna I'm not used to being in such a small room right and I'm very like emotive and so I I came to class the next day and I told my class this and I was like so you guys I'm gonna try to keep it together but if you see me getting stressed out it's because I I have too much energy and I'm I'm trying to control it for you (laughs) that's awesome Amber you've got such you she's got awesome passion you have an awesome passion and that's that is that's a great thing um but I'm sure that was fun uh, yeah. going through that. That uh, okay, okay. How am I going to handle this now? So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into this compassion piece. So I sat through a really awesome um, talk by some authors at Notre Dame a, a couple weeks ago, and they wrote a book called Awakening Compassion at Work. And they've been doing some really awesome research around how compassion at work can influence work environments. It's it's a spectacular mm-hmm. spectacular read and great research. Well, I'll put that in the episode notes for people to check out. But why do you think compassion in your communication as a leader is so critical? And what what does that even look like for our leaders listening? Like are thinking like, what do you mean when you say be compassionate in your communication? Yeah, I think, um, well, a couple of things. I think, I think compassion as a, as a term in our society sometimes gets just like a lot of different terms. It gets, you know, not, not only overused, but misused. I think people, um, if you really look up the definition, it's it's, there's two parts to it. It's, a, it's an awareness of someone's pain 
with a desire to alleviate it. Mm. And I think the awareness part is what we all get. Oh my gosh, we see something on TV or we interact with somebody. It's like, oh, that's terrible. I feel so bad for them. And then we, we kind of sometimes, we cl- almost try to classify that as compassion. It's not. Where, if, if there's a desire to alleviate and it's genuine, you're going to do something. So it's, it's acting. I so I think it. that's such an important part of compassion is actually see, seeing what somebody's going through around you, whether it's in the workplace. And, and I, I give the example all the time. You have somebody that has a bad attitude consistently and they're just mad at the world consistently. Um, you know, and they're not in your department or they don't work directly for you, um, but you interact with them. You know, have you ever taken the time to sit down and really try to hear their story? Now, that is a, that, that you're acting on it. Because sometimes, because, because, look, the reality is, is everybody wants to be heard. That's a human nature thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are so many people out there that, that they're dealing with things. And part of the problem or part of the struggle is that nobody cares or nobody has shown them that they care. And, and by showing, I mean, like, sit down with them and say, look, you know what? When can we grab 15 minutes? When can we have a half an hour and get a sandwich? And I want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this person's like, well, here's what I've been through. And now, now I'm, I'm seeing that completely, that attitude completely different. So I think, you know, I think that's, again, like I said, not just, a, not just an awareness, but actually that genuine desire to move on something and act and, and be there for that person. I think that's such an important part of compassion and a powerful part of compassion. The the most powerful part, I think. I mean, the, the, what the crux of what compassion actually is. So any ideas on how leaders can connect more intimately through compassionate communication with their people? Man, the first one, let's go, I'll go back to that listening one, is a, is a huge one. I think, I think the other one, um, I mean, you know, we're in such a digital, in such a digitized world now in so many ways. Um, I think in a lot of cases we just we we're shooting off emails and we're shooting off texts and and that's okay. There, the, even a text can be a good thing, but I think there's a lot of times where it's almost like either pick up the phone and talk to the person, or even go like visit them face to face. Actually look at the person. And I know this sounds crazy, <laughs> but actually I mean you know like face to face contact in in a conversation like that. I think can go a huge, you know, can go a long ways in like again a step that you can take to show your compassion. The other thing I would say is, is and I know this is an old school thing kind of for to a lot of people, but man, you know, writing a note to somebody and I mean like handwritten. Right now, the, you know, the younger the generation and the more digitized they've grown up, the worse the handwriting is because it's not as much they don't practice. Even teach it I know anymore. I know, it's mind-boggling. How do you sign your name? I know. I know. It's all us old but, people sitting around. Right. Right. But but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, you know, I still, I, I just, I think back to the times where I received notes from people. I mean, and, and you know, a handwritten note that said, "Hey, you know, I really care about you. Thank you for doing this," and you know, shows some appreciation. Whatever. I think that's a that can be a big step of compassion too. Letting people know, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah, that it is powerful. And just the the research that has been done on handwriting and your brain connection and gratitude and and how all of those things just transform how we function, right? That goes into your heart construction. And Absolutely. and handwriting notes to people 
can help affect your heart construction that we talked about earlier. I also thought about something that a few weeks ago we heard Tom Mendoza say that he used to call employees that were like find the hunt the good stuff, you know, and he would call employees randomly globally to thank them for the work they've done. But then he started realizing that a lot of times encouragement to our people when it's needed the most, it happens the least. And so what instead he was doing is flipping it of teams or organizations that are struggling, calling them, and he's the vice chairman, Yeah, calling them and saying, hey, we know you guys are working really hard and we just want to encourage you to keep doing your best because it's going to get better. And is there anything that we can do to support you? That is True. compassion. Powerful. And you know what that does? I mean, imagine what you, you're in India and your chairman calls you from the States at your time. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, what does that say to your people and leaders? Like that's what it means to connect with your people and get them to be bought in, to be, you know, have a desire to be a part of an organization that really, really cares about the people and what it is what you're trying to accomplish. And, and I think that's a, that was an awesome example that I sort of forgot about, um, as it relates to compassion, but. And I think that's, I mean, that's an awesome example. No doubt. Amber, I would tell you, it just, it, it reminds me of such a great need in the coaching world because that exact same thing that you just talked about, coaches have a tendency a lot of times when, when things are going tough and when some of their players are, are struggling the most, sometimes we tighten up. And, we, and I, I give the example um, recently and talking to a group and I was talking about, you know, in, in golf, and I'm, I'm not a very good golfer, by the way. <laughs> Um, but when I, and I kind of quit once my kids got of age, it just takes too much time anyways. But, but I remember that when I would get frustrated, I'd hit a bad shot or two. And and what ends up happening is, is I start gripping, you know, I I start squeezing the grip tighter Mm -hmm. and I start swinging harder. And what happens? It never works out. It gets worse. And so it's like, it's almost, it's, it's kind of antithetical to our nature in the tough times but often those are the times most where we need to express our trust and our care. And, hey, I'm here for you. I know you're still working hard. You got this. You're, you're going to be okay. And I think that gets missed. That, you know, the example you just gave, is, it's just beautiful. Isn't that I mean, like, it's yeah, crazy. it's awesome. I mean, it's neat in the workplace. It, but it, it's that spans all leadership. That's such a powerful leadership principle. That's really cool that he does that. It's awesome. And this is this <clears> is totally <throat> the thing too. When I'm working with coaches, that we when we try to understand why your communication matters so much, is you know people that have been listening to this know from a sports psych perspective, right? Your thoughts affect your emotions, which affect your physiological response, which dictates your performance, right? And so your muscles tense up because you're thinking. Why did you miss that shot? You need to do better. You need to throw that ball better. Like you, right? And so the kid's already thinking that, coaches. He knows that. And so when you add to that, now it gets amplified. Then emotionally, he's starting to feel insecure, angry, upset. Now he gets mad at you. Then he's mad at himself. Physiologically, heart rate goes up, muscle tension increase, visual field actually narrows. And, And now, do you think he is in a state to deliver his best? No. And so when we can understand as leaders and coaches how our communication affects performance, it starts to shift how you're able to check yourself when what is it that you're actually saying to the individual or doing, Mm -hmm. right? Words, attitudes, and behaviors. So maybe you don't say anything to him, but you throw your paper down and fold your arms. I didn't say anything to him. Well, he's thinking a lot about what you just did. Yep. And and it is so important that we grasp this. Like when we talk about compassion, again, this isn't, 
this isn't a soft thing. I mean, this is a, this is about shifting the behaviors and performance of the people that are around us. And, and, and that is most important. And so the mindset principle that we've been talking about this week is storytelling, right? And how storytelling as we communicate literally can sync brainwaves. And so what I love about having you on for this, right, is that your message that you're conveying about leadership is told through the lens of story. And we've already sort of talked a lot about that, but unite for us this, um, how you brought together communicating clarity and compassion in your book, like through this art of story, if you will, and just sort of summary of all of our dialogue today. Um, any, anything from the book that you want to share with us or sort of key takeaways or frameworks that you would like our listeners to walk away and, and really have a grasp on? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think, <clears throat> again, uh, how I how I happened on to that, I, I you know, as I mentioned earlier, I kind of I kind of fell into it, and it just started coming out. I think, you know, it, it um, the principles that were coming out in there um, were very emotional for me too. I mean, I, I, you know, if you've if you've lived in the coaching world or if you've lived in the business world long enough. You've seen you've seen these things play out, and you've seen the both the positive effects, the short-term positive effects that a lot of these things can have, and and the negative effects. So, the story, um, you know, I would have said all along the fact that it uh, that it hit, you know, that it was it talks a lot about the heart, it talks about a lot de- a lot about deep relationships, it talks about purpose and pursuits. I mean, again, yes, it's a story, but it's it's also a story that people are all going through, everybody's dealing with that story in their own life right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do I manage my priorities? How am I, you know, am I pursuing this? Is this the right thing for me to be pursuing? And how is this relationship? Is it really where it should be? Do I genuinely, do I genuinely care about these people that I'm leading to the extent that I say I do? Or is it, am I playing games here? You know, what are my real motives? Why do I really do what I do? Is Obviously, that's a big question. So I think when you go back to the power of that story and how it, it communicates all the things that you're talking about, whether it's, commun- whether it's compassion, clarity, and I think the power is that it, it's something that we all can kind of relate to. And every one of us is, it, every one of us is kind of following that same story in our own lives. Different can be a deep, completely different setting, but same principles. So awesome. You know, I love it. So at the end of all of our interviews, right, we, we ask our guests uh, to clarify. So again, season three is called lead to win. So, and, and everything that we talk about, right, we talk about how we have to first lead in before we can really effectively lead out, right? Learn to lead ourselves before we can really, really have a huge impact on others. So I'm going to ask you two questions. What does the phrase lead to win mean to you in relation to leading yourself? And then what does that phrase lead to win mean to you as it relates to leading others? Well, I would say, you know, first of all, um, and those are two really closely related. They are. Then very, very closely. Related. I have a hard time almost separating that. But, but, you know, I think every one of us, it's important for us to realize that we all have, um, we're all kind of, we're all going to meet the same finish line at some point. In other words, we're going to take a breath for the last time. And so every one of us has that as the finish line. Now, we don't know when that's going to occur in most cases. Sometimes we can see the finish line, but often we can't. Uh, but we know it's there. And so for me, when, when I hear you say, you know, what does it mean to lead to win yourself? I think it's really important to think about, okay, 
it's the prizes, so to speak, and I'm the quotations when I say that. What is it? What is this going to be really about? When I hit that finish line, what do I really want? Is the prize this big trophy? And what is the trophy? And I think a lot of times, you know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in in the trophies that the world says to, to, to be focused on. So whether it's financial gain or whether it's, you know, how many, again, championship rings or whatever. And none of these things are bad in and of themselves, of course. But I think what's been important for me in leading is to continuously stay focused on a much bigger picture. And so impact to me, legacy to me, yes, that's that's everything. Um, and not just legacy from the standpoint of I want to, imp- I want to impact people um, after I'm gone, um, but I want to impact them. And my faith is, is central to everything, to who I am. And so for me, uh, the, faith aspe- the, the faith aspect of that, the eternal aspect, looking at things from an eternal perspective rather than just an earthly perspective mm-hmm. is how I really kind of, that's the center of really how I lead myself is what is the bigger picture here? Yeah. And again, eternal more than earthly. Um, and that flows into how I lead and or at least attempt to lead others because, again, I want to be that picture to them of uh, somebody that's focused on the things that matter most in life. Yeah, I want you to pursue your best. I, want, I mean, we're all supposed to be pursuing our best every day to be, but what does that really mean in terms of the relationships that we leave behind us? And biggest thing I would tell you, Amber, like for me, I've got two real earthly heroes that I've always said these are these are my two heroes. And I, I, I'm, I hope and pray that I can be in my 90s and live exactly like these two guys lived and one was Peter Drucker and the other was John Wooden and the biggest thing that I love about them is that people were constantly at their doorstep even into their 90s to to like interact with them yeah gain wisdom from them man I hope I have enough relationships with younger people like you um, I'll take it I'll take it you know what I mean? like <laughs> like seriously though but with, with people that are that are 10 20 30 40 years younger than me 50 years younger than me that are always that always feel comfortable wanting to go and say hey Let's talk. Yeah. And, and how can I pour in and be a positive impact on them? Man, that's my goal in life. Is I don't care what all comes before that, but when I'm in my 90s, man, I still want people to be coming in and hopefully having great chats with them and meaningful, yeah. impacting chats. Yeah. Well, me and Tommy Chase will be at your doorstep. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. Oh. All right. Well, Todd, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. It's been awesome uh, just gaining insight and wisdom from you. So thanks for being with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. I loved it. Loved oh, it's it. awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for listening. We are listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Amber Selking, here with Todd Gongler, author and leadership speaker and trainer. And we just want to encourage and challenge you to continue building championship mindsets and leading to win. Brightview Medical is a patient-oriented, medical healthcare organization with goals to change healthcare as we know it. By understanding the wasteful and costly healthcare system in place today, Brightview is able to create a unique opportunity that revolutionizes patient doctor visits, cuts back on costs, and increases patient satisfaction. They house all of their specialty physicians, CDC-level labs, and state-of-the-art technology in one building providing a one-stop patient-centered environment, which is unparalleled in today's medical field. At Brightview Medical, they don't just practice medicine, they perform it.
This episode was recorded and produced by Truthwork Media. If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthwork Media. Everyone has a story. Yours needs a podcast.